As we move into the next time of looking at some scripture and sharing, I do want to draw our attention to four, there's four paragraphs out of the book um, of 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4 and chapter 5, that I've been thinking a lot about over the last couple of weeks, and uh, we actually read part of these a week ago. Um, and so I do want us to spend a little bit of time centered around God's Word, and then uh, we, as I had mentioned, we are going to open it up, and you are welcome to share from Scripture uh, just ways that God has met you, um, time just to reflect back on, on the last couple of weeks, um, prayer requests, songs, it really will be very open-ended a time of worshiping together um, in that way. But I did want us uh, to, to look at 2 Corinthians 4, starting in, in verse, um, verse set, or actually starting in verse 6. And there are, there are four paragraphs here, and the thing that stood out to me in each of these, Paul says that he knows something, and so it's a truth. And then he goes on to say things like, so that, and for, and to, and he's explaining that because of these truths, here is, here is what follows. And another thing that stood out to me is if, if you look at these chapters in, verse, uh, in chapter 4, he says, we don't lose heart. He repeats that actually twice in chapter 4, we don't lose heart. In chapter 5, he says, so we are always of good courage. And then again in verse 8, he says, yes, we are of good courage. And so, you know, what was it that allowed Paul to say those kinds of things uh, in the face of suffering and hardship. So he's, he was being attacked, and his ministry was in question uh, because of how much he was suffering. And so here's his response of things that he knows that allowed him to have, have good courage. And so I, my prayer is that, that, that we can gain courage from this as well, as well as eternal perspective as we look at these, these paragraphs. So here's the first paragraph. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. I want to just notice that what he knew is we have a treasure in a jar of clay. And so what was that treasure? And we need to read verse 6 to tell us what the treasure is. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so the treasure is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that is, is ours in the face of Jesus. And for all of these paragraphs, we could stop and spend the whole morning here, but we won't. Just the treasure of knowing Christ, knowing God in the face of Jesus. Um, and that is the first thing that Paul knew, that he had this treasure in a jar of clay. So in these days, a jar of clay was just as common of a container as you could possibly find. And so you know, where do you usually put valuable things? We place them in all kinds of things. Um, it, it's a rather poor example, but one that I thought of is a jar of clay would probably be like just a plastic bowl or a Tupperware container. There's, there's nothing special about the container. Um, it's, it's entirely what is inside of it. 
and this one happens to have $50 in it. But that, again, a poor example of the treasure that Christ puts in us. But Paul knew that he had the treasure of knowing Christ, but God had, had put it into a jar of clay or just a very common, a common container. And then, this is good news for us. He goes on to talk about how he's afflicted and, and the hard, thing he's going through, hard things he's going through, but he's not driven to despair um, because of the truth of knowing that we know Jesus and we have that treasure um, in a jar of clay. You know, Paul is defending his, um, his ministry, and so you would think that he would say, well, I established 10 churches here and, and point to his success. He does exactly opposite of that. He points to his weaknesses and the hardship and says, this is the proof of God at work in me because somehow God actually delights in working in our weaknesses. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that, and that's a reminder I have to go back to again and again is that God actually works in our weaknesses, and that's where his power um, is made perfect. Paul actually says that later in 2 Corinthians, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. So God works in and through human weakness. So the first thing he knew was that he had a treasure in a jar of clay. Now let's read the, uh, the next paragraph um, and highlighting in blue after each paragraph the thing that he knew. So here's the next paragraph. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us, bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So again, I just want us to note what Paul knew. He said, knowing that the same God that raised Christ from the dead is going to raise us and bring us with you into his presence. And what a, what a hope that we can know that for sure, that the same God that raised Christ will raise us, um, raise us again. And in verse 13, he's quoting, here he's quoting Psalms uh, 116, verse 10, that is saying that I believe and I'm going to speak even though I'm going through hard times. And so what we believe will come out in our words and, and in our lives. We often look at verse 16, and I'm so thankful for this, this verse here. We don't lose heart, even if our outer outer body, and, and it goes beyond, the words here go beyond just our body. Um, it would include anything that's, that's temporal. So Jesus talked about um, treasures here on earth, they, they rust, they corrupt. Anything that's temporal is, is wasting away, as it were. But the eternal is actually being renewed day by day, and I love the word for renewed. It does have the idea of, of recharging, but it also has the idea of being renovated, and so I'm so thankful that God is he's renewing us and he's renovating us constantly on the inside regardless of what we're going through on the outside. And what a I mean what a way for Paul to look at this. He's looking at the hard things and he's calling them light momentary afflictions when he compares to them to the eternal weight of glory. 
And I often don't feel that way when I go through even little afflictions. But Paul, Paul has the uh, eternal in view. I think that obviously the, the last couple of weeks are such a reminder to us of the end of verse 18. The things that are seen are temporary. They're transient. They're only used for a short amount of time. The things that aren't seen are eternal. And so let's set our hope and our, our entire uh, perspective centered around the things that are eternal. I find a lot of hope and encouragement in this 16 through 18 here. And I hope that we all can as we look at the things that concern us or the hard things that we go through. So again, just highlighting the things that he knew. He knew that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Christ. I'm going to go on to the next paragraph and point out another thing that Paul knew. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So right at the start of this, he points out the thing that he knows, that we, that if, if something happens to our tent, that we have a heavenly home um, that is is from God, it's a house not made with hands, and it's eternal. And the comparison is a tent um, compared to a home. And he, he also points out how we're longing for heaven. We're longing for that home. And then verse 3, uh, it sounds a little odd to us. He talks about that it's not meaning that we'll be naked. And the background on that is that in the Greek culture, they felt that the body was bad. And so they, they thought that when you die, that you're... You're freed from your body, as it were. And so Paul is, is saying that, no, we're not. We, our spirit does depart, but God gives us a brand new body. It's not that we won't have a, a body. And so he's pointing that, out, uh, pointing that out to them. And again, I, I love verse, uh, the end of verse 4, where the mortal is being swallowed by life. And then verse 5, he's preparing us for these things. And he's given us his Holy Spirit as a deposit or a guarantee or a down payment. Um, and that picture is used about three times in the New Testament. And it's, it's that a guarantee, if we have the Holy Spirit, it's um, a guarantee of our standing with God, of our inheritance, and of our brand new body that he will give us in heaven. So we can know uh, that we have an earthly home. I mean, we have a heavenly home that's eternal and in the heavens. All right, uh, let's go on to the last paragraph here and the last thing that he knows that gave him hope and eternal perspective. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So again, just I was encouraged in this passage where Paul says we know something, and then he so that and two, and it goes on to explain it. So we know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. And it doesn't mean that Christ's presence 
isn't with us. It, it always is. But we're away from seeing him face to face as we will one day. And we can know that. He goes on in verse 7 to say, because we walk by faith and not by sight. And I think that walking by faith is keeping the eternal as our main focus, not, not the temporal. So focusing on what we can't see rather than, than what we can see. So walking by faith is not meaning that we have zero dollars in the bank account, but it needs to be interpreted in this, in this context that it means that we're actually looking and living for heaven and living for the eternal. Then going on, as we know that, our aim is going to be to please Christ in everything. So throughout all that we do to please Christ. Um, Titus' story was a great example for the children of obeying your parents. And in Colossians, it talks about when children obey their parents, it's pleasing to God. And so everything that we do can be pleasing to the Lord through, through his life in us. Um, you know, there's a lot of very complicated situations in life that we have to decide how to handle. But for me to come back to simply what pleases God brings a lot of clarity as we sort through things. So what is it that's pleasing to God? And then the reminder here that we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And again, we could talk about this for a long time, but obviously we we're saved through grace. It's a gift of God. But he does talk all through Scripture that he rewards and that we're going to appear before the judgment seat and one way or another, our works will be, will be evaluated. And I believe if, in Hebrews it talks about if we have faith, we believe that he is and that he rewards those that seek him. And in Matthew 5, Jesus will talk about, if you do this, great is your reward in heaven. And so I don't understand how all of this works, but we all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be given a reward for the works that we did, whether good, good or bad. And so that, uh, in light of all of this, Paul keeps these things in view, that he wants to please Christ in everything and remember that we'll all appear before the judgment seat of God one day. I won't read the end of the chapter, but he goes on and says, so knowing this, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And so the natural response is to share this good news and to share the eternal perspective um, with others. So, in, this, uh, in the last section, he knew that while we were at home, in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But heaven was the ultimate home and what he was living uh, with his perspective towards that. So those are a few thoughts from four, um, four paragraphs of, of Scripture, and hopefully the, the truth in that um, can just guide us as we, we look at what, we, what we've been through um, and that it will help us just have eternal perspective as we look at our life of looking at what can't be seen is eternal.